He's meaning the pastor and his people. Now, before I tell you what he's saying, I am more than duly compensated for what I do here. I am happy, and I am not gunning for a raise. Although, if you feel so, let no, I'm not. <laughs> what he's saying literally is, share your good things with those who teach you their good things. If you're being fed from the Word of God, you need to communicate that. You need to fellowship what you have with what they have. Pay your preacher. That's what he's saying. Once again, I'm not saying that you heard what he slid in there. No, that's not what I'm doing at all. But contextually, we have to understand what he's talking about. And by the way, you do a great job of that. And it's not just, it's not just financial. It's, um, it's, it's making sure that you communicate encouragement to your Sunday school teacher, to your deacons, to anybody that is feeding you in a local church environment. You need to reciprocate that with, 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 with a, a standard amount of encouragement and help and love and appreciation. Okay? And that brings us to the broader use. This is going to be our use. It involves sharing equally with one another as you are blessed by one another, thus the use of all good things. So what we can, what we can take from that is, is, is simply this. It is God's expectation in a local church setting that as people are blessings to us, we ought to be blessings to them, right? As people, as people invest into my life, I need to be investing into their lives. That is a standard practice within the local church. It's, it, it, it's, it's that we love each other, we're family, and we do our best to bless one another. That's the context, the broader context. Now, why is that important? Because Paul now broadens this discussion and brings in the topic of sowing versus reaping. I don't think that this sowing versus reaping thing has anything to do with verse number 6. Okay, look at verse number 10. Verse number 6 says, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Verse 10, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Does verse 6 and verse 10 sound connected to you? They're saying very much the same thing. So then would it stand to reason if you've got verse 6 and verse 10 that are connected that what's in between has something to do with that thought? Would that be reasonable to conclude? So now we have our context. This leads us to understand that God, while God will not be mocked and the established laws of sowing and reaping in a general sense exist, he is especially meaning our treatment of one another. When God says he'll not be mocked, he'll not be scoffed at, it literally means to turn the nose up at. When God says he'll not be mocked, yes, it does have a general application. God won't be mocked. God won't be scoffed at. But he is especially concerned about how we mock him in regards to how we treat one another. And in keeping with our theme, he does not tolerate it. And I think there are a whole lot of Christians that are under the chastening hand of God directly because they don't know how to treat other Christians. Hmm. God will not 
tolerate our treatment of one another when done so through the flesh. Our treatment of one another needs to be spirit-filled and spirit-led. And so that brings us to the laws of sowing and reaping. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Father, would you help me now as I preach this and teach it, Lord, may I do so in the way that most pleases you. May I rightly divide your word of truth and be a help to your people. Lord, uh, I'm struggling this morning in that I can't sense the unction. And I like it when I can feel it. But I also know, Lord, sometimes you set my feelings to the side to keep me out of the way. And so if that's what's going on today, then all I can can do is proclaim your word and trust that you will bless your word as you've said you would. And that you'll apply it to hearts. And I pray that you will. Speak to us in an unusual way, we pray, and help us. And may Christ be lifted up. For it's in his name we ask these things. Amen. The laws of sowing and reaping. Now remember, we're talking about the context of how we treat one another. And before I get into the hard stuff, let me give you an attaboy or an girl. I hope he wouldn't mind me saying this, but the last care package we sent to Zach, his mother asked him if he was surprised to get it. And he said, no. And she said, you weren't? He said, no. That's what our church does. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So why am I preaching this message? I don't know. It's the next one. The Lord said it. The Lord knows more than I do, doesn't he? But let's be honest. Do we always treat one another like we should? No. You know what I found, Brother Davies? Sometimes, sometimes this is something that hits me in the matter of my own family. I don't always treat my wife like I should. I don't always treat my kids like I should. I don't always treat other believers outside of this church like I should. I don't always treat people like I should here either. It's important that we understand this because God's not going to be mocked on it. Because sometimes these laws, these laws of sowing and reaping, these laws are sometimes ignored. They're ignored. It's interesting in verse number 7, no allowance is made for men to be deceived. When, when God says, be not deceived, he's not saying, look, this is an easy thing to happen. Be careful. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying there's no reason for you to be deceived about this thing. How do I know? Look back at verse number three. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth who? Himself. This isn't a matter of the devil sneaking up on you. No, you've deceived yourself. And sometimes, Christian, we give the devil all kinds of credit for the problems that we have in our lives, and he didn't do any of it. We did it to ourselves. 
My number one enemy is not the devil. My number one enemy is not the world. My number one enemy is my own stinking, rotten flesh. Truth is, some days the devil doesn't have to work hard with me at all. And these laws are often ignored. God gives no allowance for men to be deceived. And when men do this, it is intentional. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. He's not sneered at. He's not snorted at. This is an intentional attitude. The idea that I can do this and I can get away with it because because God's not going to do anything. My pastor for years, Brother John Brothers, who's now in heaven, used to say this all the time. People want to live the life of Solomon and go to the reward of Paul. That's not how it works, y'all. That's not how it works. Because these laws may be ignored, but I got news for you, friends. They're immutable. The laws of sowing and reaping are absolutely immutable. So let's get, let's get into the three. These are not anything new. You've heard them before, but we need to be reminded. Number one, you reap what you sow. If kind begets kind. If you plant corn, all things being equal, what are you going to get? Now, some of us aren't very good at it, and we don't get anything. But you're not going to plant corn and get wheat. You're not going to plant corn and get strawberries. You're not going to plant corn and get watermelons. You're not going to plant corn and get okra. You plant corn, you get corn. Now, this seems so elementary to me and to you, but this, we're living in a society right now where the basics of biology don't seem to apply anymore. But it doesn't, it doesn't change anything. You reap exactly what you sow. Verse number seven, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Corruption begets corruption. I want you to notice something. God has nothing to do with this outcome. It is a natural outcome. It doesn't say if you sow to the flesh, then God will bring about corruption in your life. No, it says if you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. God does not enter into the equation. It is a natural result. I remember back in the 80s and early 90s when the AIDS epidemic was really in front of everybody. Preachers all over were saying, it's God's judgment, it's God's judgment, it's God's judgment. I got news for you, friend. It wasn't. It was the natural outcome of poor choices. We haven't seen God's judgment yet. And sometimes we look at the results of our decisions and we try to blame God, and God didn't have anything to do with it. You know? We spend all our money on foolishness, and God's brought me low. I got nothing now. No, God didn't bring you low. You brought yourself low. Hmm? Goes back to that flesh thing. You reap what you sow. But I got good news for you. You don't have to just sow to the flesh. 
you can sow to the Spirit. And sowing to the Spirit activates God's involvement. Whereas sowing to the flesh brings about a natural outcome, sowing to the Spirit brings about a supernatural outcome. God gets involved then. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit, capital S, reap life everlasting. Now the supernatural is in place. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. It is always better to serve the Lord. It is always better to sow to the Spirit. Always. Because we reap what we sow. And yet anybody in here that's been in a ministry position at all, or maybe you've just been somebody that cares. You see a friend, you see a loved one, and maybe their family drifts away from God and the things of God. Maybe their kids drift away from God and they don't do anything about it. And, and you try to help them. Listen, you've got to encourage them. You've got to get them back plugged in again. You've got to do this, you've got to do that. And then when they're grown and they get never dark in the door of a church, I don't understand what happened, preacher. I don't understand why they won't have anything to do with the Lord. Now, sometimes kids do that despite the parents' best efforts, and I understand that. That does happen. That happened to God. God put his kids in a perfect environment, and they still wandered. But sometimes it's because we didn't make God a priority in our own lives. And I just don't understand what happened. I'll tell you what happened. You sowed to the flesh. You sowed to the flesh. And the natural outcome is the flesh. Why why is it that, that I just, why isn't God blessing me like such and such down the road? Be careful about comparisons. But, but maybe it's because they sowed to the Spirit. I'm getting to meddling now. I need to be careful. You reap what you sow. That's an immutable law. It doesn't change. Number two, you reap more than you sow. If you plant a kernel of corn, do you get a kernel of corn or do you get a stalk that has many kernels on it? You reap more than you sow. Back to verse 8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of this flesh reap corruption. He that sowed to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. The flesh gives way to corruption. And the consequences often outweigh the perceived sin. There's no example that I can use that doesn't touch somebody in here. So as I get into it, I want you to know I love you. So if it hits you, it isn't personal. Well, it is. Beer commercials are really good about making people think that drink their beer and you'll have a party all your life. And by the way, only beautiful people show up at that party. tobacco industry which isn't really on tv anymore but the tobacco industry would really worked hard to make you think if you're a real man a marlboro man then you got to have cigarette hanging out of your mouth if you're successful then of course you know the cigar and all that by the way there's no difference in smoking tobacco or using tobacco and overeating it's all the same sin so those that don't smoke chew or dip don't think you're off the hook 
I don't do any of those things. I commit the same sin. I let something else have, have power over my body and it destroys the temple of God and it's a sin and God doesn't like it and I need help with it. So whatever your enslaving habit is, plug it in right here. Okay? The sexual revolution made you think that if you want to be happy, just have multiple partners, do whatever you want, however often you want. And it's all about freedom of expression and just you live your truth. Now let me tell you what these, these folks don't tell you about. They don't tell you about cirrhosis. They don't tell you about drunk driving fatalities. They don't tell you about eat up liver. They don't tell you about lung cancer and emphysema. And they don't tell you about venereal disease. But what happens is the consequence of a sin is always more than the initial sin because we reap more than we sow. And what starts out as something small grows. But we do tend to look at sins as big sins and little sins, don't we? But you reap more than you sow. Hosea said it this way, for they have sown the wind and they shall reap the whirlwind. If you sow to the flesh, you get corruption. That's, that's a downgrade. But if you sow to the Spirit, you get life everlasting. Can somebody tell me what's better than that? If ever you reap less in the flesh, it's because of God's grace and mercy. But in the Spirit, you reap more than you could ever produce. Remember what we talked about the other night. This is Luke's rendering of this. Luke 18, 29, he said to them, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come life everlasting. I'm telling you, if you've given up anything, if you've lost anything for the sake of Christ, when you get to heaven, you will find out, I did indeed reap more than I ever could have sowed. You reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. You reap later than you sow. And this is what gets a lot of people. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know what most Christians struggle with? That whole due season thing. I want my due season to be right now. I'm due. I'm due. We used to use that term a lot playing baseball. Yeah, this kid, this kid hadn't hit a hit a base hit all season long, but he's due. He's due. This is gonna be the one right here. And he usually wasn't. Due season. I want it to be right now, but that's not usually how it works. And so what do we gotta do? We've got a covenant not to faint. Don't quit. I'm convinced of this. Every time we quit, we quit just as God was about to do something. It's true negatively. You reap later than you sow. Ecclesiastes 8 verse 11. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Though a sinner do evil 100 times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. But it shall, it shall not be well with the wicked. Neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. 
This is, this is something we see a lot of. Uh, right now, it's really in vogue to be an atheist, or at least an agnostic. And they love to get out there and to just mock faith and mock Christianity and mock monotheistic views or theistic, any kind of theistic view. They, they love to mock that. And they, well, if there's a God, then I'll just blaspheme him right now and he'll strike me dead, right? And then they proceed to curse and carry on and everything and a merciful God doesn't do it. See there, there's no God and they love to do that. And they think because they've done that over and over and over again that there's never a price to pay but it shall not be well with the wicked. Because you may not reap today, friend, but you will. You reap later. If anybody's figured out a way to plant corn and get it all in a day, I'd like to know how you did it. But you have to wait, don't you? We reap later than we sow. And so the anti-God crowd just marches on Washington and marches on town squares and spews out venom and spews out blasphemy and see there, see there, we'll not be brought under your theistic viewpoint. We're going to do it. And they just think everything. But let me tell you something. It's coming. Hey, and friend, you might even be saved. You might even be saved. And you've let something into your life that shouldn't be there. And well, God hadn't done anything about it yet. I got news for you. He will. Maybe you lost. Preacher, I know I need to come to terms with this thing, but I'm just enjoying life too much, and I I got time. I got time. That's the devil's most effective lie, by the way. You got time. You don't know how much time you've got. Because we reap later than we sow. But it's also true positively. Humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Andy, I've been praying about this for a long time. Okay, keep, keep, keep sowing. Keep sowing. You'll reap. I've been, I've been serving the Lord a long time, and it, doesn't, it just doesn't seem like anything's that. Keep sowing. Keep sowing. You'll reap. This thing's been on heart a long time, and I'm trying to keep it where it ought to be and give it to God. Keep, keep sowing. Keep sowing. The most perfect example of this is the scoffer said, where's the promise of his coming? Well, he hasn't come yet. But when he does, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. But when the desire cometh, it's a tree of life. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, all those things that we fought and labored over evaporate and we're in the presence of the Savior and everything that we've sown, we begin to reap. Well done, good and faithful servant. Won't be anything like it. So what, Andy? We reap what we sow. We reap more than we sow, and we reap later than we sow. And this is especially true of our interactions with one another. And if we fail 
to take that into account, we're mocking God. And God won't tolerate it. So how about we right now purpose with God's help to reap to to sow to the Spirit and reap life everlasting starting today.